I've had a little bit of an overwhelming um, last few days, but I'm going to try to pull my thoughts together to give you uh, a couple of what, what I think are, are essential ideas from this passage. And I know you've been working on it all week, and I know you've talked about it with your friends in your small group. And um, so I hope that this passage has, has now become very, very precious to you. I hope that in your groups you are able to, to really get in there and be transparent and, and talk a little bit about the issues of trust. Um, issues of security, the kind of things like who's really sovereign, who's really in charge, who's really, who's really the king of you, who's really um, on that throne, because that particularly gets to this issue of fear and anxiety and worry. Um, it is a concern for all of us, especially, um, it seems like those of us who are women statistically uh, have a little bit bigger issues with anxiety and worry um, than the other gender. Don't know what that's about, but we could really talk about that for a while. Um, but uh, the la I just Googled this morning really quickly, found an article just briefly that said uh, it's the number is over 40 million people now in the United States who've been diagnosed with some sort of anxiety disorder who are being medicated or under some sort of treatment um, for something that qualifies as, as actually a disorder. Um, it is, it's, it's just, a, it's just a, a, a difficult thing for us and that women are twice as likely as men to, to suffer from anxiety. Worry, 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 worry. Um, we, are, we are worried about worrying. Now I'm starting to worry about why we worry so much and why the, our stats are higher than theirs. And now I've not, now I'm got other things to worry about, right? Um, and, and I think what Jesus is teaching us in this, in this precious passage of Scripture is that it comes down to a matter of, um, of what's really resting on the throne of our hearts. In whom or in what are we trusting? Where does our security lie? Where are, what, in what are we hoping for the future? And in what kind of a future are we hoping? If we, if we see the earth, if our treasure is here on earth, if our treasure is completely wrapped up on earth, then we're concerned about our bank account and our retirement fund and our this and our that, our health care and, and whatever. But if our eternity, if our hope, if our treasure is bound up in heaven, then we're seeing from a much higher perspective. And we're able to see, we're able to see what is, um, what, what is real and what is really worthy of our concern, what's worthy of our worry in terms of eternity, and the list is much, much shorter. That list is a lot shorter, girls. Uh, it comes down to what is truly eternal. Uh, I want to start with the, um, just reading a little bit to you. Uh, this will sound familiar because uh, you've been looking at it this week and with your friends, but, um, but let me just read it to you. Do not store up. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Some translations say rust, things rust out. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. That's the other kind of treasure. There's treasures on earth and treasures in heaven. And there, those kind of treasures, the eternal kind of treasures are not vulnerable to moths or vermin or rust or thieves. Those kind of things are eternal, they're strong, they're forever. They, their value has nothing to do with those things that, that, to which earthly treasures are vulnerable. That means that they are going to last forever and be forever. He says, when you go to, to store up, don't store up down here. Store up up there. Learn to tell the difference between treasures that are temporary 
and treasures that are eternal. Learn to value that which is going to last forever and not necessarily the things that are locked in here on earth. Because as we know very well, things get old, things rust, things are susceptible to all kinds of decay, including ourselves. That, that, but, but when we store up our treasures in eternity, in a place that, that is forever, then we are making investments and we're seeing returns that are going to be eternal. They matter so much longer. Even in the best case scenarios, our years here are short compared to the years, compared to the eternity that we will have in heaven. And so be wise, be diligent about those investments, that the investment of time, of love, of treasure, that they're eternal, that there's something that lasts forever. When we do that, then we are able to see what is truly, truly valuable. Jesus says in verse 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So if you're wondering about a quick diagnostic test, where, where is my heart? What is the health? What is the well-being? What is the status of my heart? We can always look to treasure. What, where, does our, where does our time go? Where does our money go? Where do our heavy investments go? That's where we're going to find our heart. That's where we're going to find what really, truly matters to us. Is it locked into earth or is it set free in heaven? The treasures that we treasure with our time and our influence and our money and our energies, that's what, we, that's what will last forever. So questions are, well, let me think here. I'm going to read just a little bit more to you. In verse 24, he says, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. He says, you cannot serve both God and money. Jesus is very, very clearly establishing his seat on the throne of our hearts. He's claiming sovereignty. He's claiming his rightful place as ruler of our hearts. And he is deftly illustrating who is or what is the main contender or the main competition for the throne of our hearts. And in our situation, being who we are and where we are, it's money, possessions, the things, the things that we want, that we think we need, the things we're Googling and searching online for, the things that are occupying our time and attention. What it, Jesus says, the pagans run after all these things. They run after them. They pursue them. They search them out. They seek them out. The question is, what am I seeking? What am I searching for? What am I pursuing? What is that thing? What is it that, that has a hold of my attention so that, I, that I'm so focused on it that that is what occupies the, the minutes of my hours and the hours of my day? That is your master. That is your king. Jesus is saying, I want the throne. I want, I want to be seated there. It is, it is my rightful place, and I want to be ruler of your heart. He says in Matthew 6, 
33. This is the key of the entire Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 6, 33. It's in our section on page 146. But seek first, pursue first, chase first, search first, Google first. <laughs> seek it out. What is the definition? What is the identity of it? How do I find it? How do I get me some? Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. What he says is right what he puts out there as the right thing, righteousness, and all of the rest of this stuff falls into place. Everything else begins to make sense. Everything else becomes right-sized in our imaginations as we seek first the kingdom of God and the righteousness of Jesus, the righteousness or rightness according to Jesus. Everything else falls into place. Only then are we going to get a hold of our worry, our anxieties, and our fears. Only then are we going to be able to understand that only under the sovereign rule of a king who is all-seeing, all-knowing, all-wise, only under his sovereign leadership and authority are we going to be able to release this sense of worry and anxiety and stress. Jesus puts it like this. I tell you not to worry. Do not worry about your life, about what you'll eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to his life? Some translations say a single inch to his height. Can you make yourself taller by so much as an inch, says Eugene Peterson in the message. Can you add anything to your stature on earth? by worrying about it. And why do you worry about your clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They don't labor or spin. And yet I tell you that even Solomon in all of his splendor was not dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and gone and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all those things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself each day has enough trouble of its own. Annie Dillard is one of my favorite writers. She wrote a little essay on the Gospel of Luke and included Luke's version of the Sermon on the Mount in her analysis. She remembered as she was studying this section of Scripture that in her Sunday school class, when she was a little girl, there were pictures on the wall. You might remember them. If you grew up in church, you've seen pictures like this. A little pictures on the wall. 
of pastoral scenes. You know, they were watercolor pictures, right? Of pastoral scenes, um, people kind of milling around hillsides with, you know, sheep and here and there, and there's usually some body of water. You can only assume the Sea of Galilee off in the few, in the distance. And Jesus is standing there, like in a bathrobe, and and he's teaching this this, you know, serene-looking pastoral group of people who are there gathered on a hillside. And you might have thought to yourself, or maybe it was subconscious as, as it was for her and it was for me growing up thinking, those people, they're watercolor people. Of course they don't have anything to worry about, you know? They just hang around in bathrobes all day. <laughs> They've got nowhere to go, nowhere to be, nothing to do, nobody counting on them. They don't have a to-do list. They don't have, they don't have errands to run. They don't have a bank account they're worried about. They don't have a job they're trying to, to fulfill. You know, they don't have a boss. They just, they just have hillsides and bathrobes and, and seasides. They're just, of course they're not stressed out about their life. But as we grow up, we know it absolutely well, don't we? We all have our list. We all have our concerns. We have the burdens that we must pick up every morning and heft over our shoulders and carry through the day. Jesus is saying, part and parcel, like part of the package of my being sovereign in your life is that you get to set those things down, that I'm going to carry those things for you. As, as I take a leadership role, as I take the role of sovereign leader of your life, you can hand those over to me, and I'm strong enough to carry every single one of them. I'm strong enough to carry the ones that belong to everyone that you can see. We don't have to be watercolor people with nothing to do but wear our slippers and bathrobes. We are people who live in this particular world, in this particular place. We have our lists, and Jesus is ready to carry them for us. He's ready to walk with us through the valleys and the mountains and the triumphs and the tragedies and all of it, and he's ready to carry them with us. But it comes down to this. Who's your master? Who's your boss? Who is your king? Who and what is sovereign over your life? That is the thing that is in charge of you. That is the thing that is telling you what to do. It's sending you on your errands. Jesus is saying, I want to be that one. I want to be that one. And I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be with you every step of the way. And I'm going to carry this burden for you. This is the king that we serve. This is the sovereign to whom we owe our obligations. This is the one who is worthy of our praise. He is asking us to give them over to him. That's why he can say four times, do not worry, do not worry, do not worry, do not worry, because I am here to carry this for you. Jesus is inviting us into a place where we can seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. He's throwing wide open the gates of the kingdom of God. And he's saying, this is not for the future after you die. This is for here, for now. Where I am sovereign, where I am king, finally, as that begins to happen, all of our worries and concerns fall into place. Jesus, God knows that you need them. God knows that you need them. And as you seek first his kingdom, all those things fall into place. So my challenge comes to you not from the Sermon on the Mount, but from Colossians chapter three, 
the first few verses. I think it's the first four. Since then, you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. He's the king. He's in his session at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, where Christ is. Do not set your minds on things on earth. Do not worry. Do not confine your mind to earth. But instead, set your hearts and set your minds on things above. This calls for spiritual practices. Some of the things that that we've been talking about in the last couple of weeks in the Sermon on the Mount. Prayer, fasting, petitioning God in different ways. Those are, those are the kind of things that we can actually do as daily exercises to bring our attention around so that our minds and our hearts are focused on things that are above. I love the way the Apostle Paul says it in Colossians chapter 3. Set your mind. Just as an informal exercise, if you were to think about the last thing you set your mind on or the last thing you set your heart on, What was the last thing you said? I must have it. Are you driving it right now? Are you living in it right now? Are you wearing it on a finger right now? Are you wearing it on your butt? Is that the thing you set your heart on? Is that the thing you set your mind on? Usually, when we set our hearts on something, usually we end up in possession of them, right? Here, Pastor Paul is saying, set your hearts not on things of this earth. There's moths and rust and vermin, things that threaten and destroy everything that is confined here on earth. But set your hearts on things above. That means start each day setting your heart on things that are above. When you you look over the events of your calendar, set your hearts on things above. When you examine and consider and, and, and think about the meetings that you'll have, the intercession, the, the, the kind of in, um, conversations that you'll have with friends throughout the day, set your hearts on things above. Think about the eternal value that is potentially available to you in all of those interactions, all of those intersections between friends, between family, spouses, loved ones. Set your minds on things above. Dedicate the powers of your mind, your study, your intellect, the time you spend reading, the time you spend focusing on things. Set your minds on things above. And you'll find, we begin to find, that as our minds are set free from earth, they're loosed in heaven, and our worries begin to fall into a rightful place. Our eyes begin to see more clearly we begin to be able to right-size our worries and concerns. It is, it seems to me, the best treatment for anxiety, the best treatment for worry and stress and care, is reimagining our king, sovereign, ruler, leader of our life. Let me pray for us as we go, and I'm going to pray for a sense of peace that is beyond what what is even possible on earth. I'm gonna pray for the kind of peace that's available only as we submit ourselves to Jesus. Let's pray this way.
King Jesus, be gentle with us as we train ourselves to submit to you, to surrender to you, to trust your leadership, to look to you for our future, our security, our hope. Be gentle with us as you remind us day in and day out that you are the only one worthy of our praise, the only one worthy of running our errands after, of being concerned for. I pray that you would help us to trust you so that we may then be able to see things from a kingdom perspective, to be able to see things that are right-sized in our imaginations, that we won't be overcome by worry or stress or the concerns of the day, but rather that we would constantly be reminded of your loving care, and we pray it in the powerful name of King Jesus. Amen.